All right, well, good morning. It's great to be here with you all today. Thank you uh, for being a part of the conversation. If you're joining us online, I want you to know that we are grateful that you are part of the conversation. If you are online, would you do me a favor and just let us know where you are tuning in from? We want to celebrate the fact that in this season, we have seen people engaging with Eden Church from all across the United States. And there was even, I think, someone who watched from Africa. So we are now a global ministry, everybody. We're a global ministry. But thank you guys so much for being here. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Daniel. I'm part of the team here at Eden Church. And if you've been with Eden pre-COVID or you joined during COVID or maybe you jumped on in the last few weeks, uh, whatever it is, we are so grateful uh, that you decided to jump in and to be a part of the conversation. And we've been really excited over the last few weeks because we launched a brand new series called Emotions. And uh, it's been really helpful. I don't know about you, but definitely for me. Because in light of the last 12 months that we have experienced, um, we've experienced so many deep emotions. And the danger is on the back end of all that we have gone through as a community and as a country if we walk out of that experience never having taken the time to try to make sense of all that we have felt over the last few months, I'm not sure that we will ever be able to leverage those emo emotions for a more meaningful future. And so that has been the goal of this series is to take some time to process what we have gone through because I imagine that there are probably some of us that have shown up in the room today that are watching online that are still processing some of the trauma that we've experienced, and so that's part of what we're trying to do. Week one, we sort of made a case for why it's important for us to consider emotions. We looked at the Bible and how often it talked about emotions. We looked at how it described, used emotions to describe so many of its main characters, and then really what put the nail in the coffin for me was that it showed, we talked about how often the Bible describes Jesus' emotions. And so if the Bible is so proficient at making sense of the emotions of the people in Scripture, it is probably wise for us to take some time to do the same. And then week two, last week, we talked about how to make sense of our anxiety. And if you did not get a chance to watch that episode or you weren't part of it, I want to encourage you, that episode, uh, watch the service or we're part of the conversation. I want to encourage you to go on to our YouTube channel and check it out because it was an amazing message, but, but so much of the content had to do with practical everyday tips that we can apply to our life, and so it was really powerful. But I am excited about today's conversation and sort of to kick us off, maybe you can help me participate. This is a question that you can answer in your mind, but how many of you have ever regretted a decision that you have made when you were feeling jealous? Okay, I'm gonna give you a chance to sort of go back in the memory banks. Maybe for some of you it's not that long. It's like this week I can think of a moment uh, that I had. For me, the very first memory of jealousy that I had um, was in kindergarten. Now, I can assure you, I probably was jealous long before that, but just as I remember it, was in kindergarten, and I think it was some kind of like a show and tell day. And one of the kids in my class, uh, I would call him my friend, but after this event, we were no longer friends. He brought an ET wallet to school. And I'm telling you, it was a beautiful wallet. It was probably an expensive one, a designer-type ET wallet. It was, had like the little buckle that you latched on in the front. And I remember this feeling of jealousy sort of erupting in my heart as just a child wanting that wallet. And there was this point throughout the day 
when he had set it on a counter and he had walked away and I grabbed the wallet, I threw it under some tan bark in the playground and I took it home that night. And this kid was distraught, right? Walking around, looking for his wallet. I was acting like I was helping him look for it. I took that wallet home. Now eventually he got it back, but that was the first time in my life I can remember acting out of jealousy. And it's so crazy because in that moment, what it sort of modeled for me in other moments of jealousy in my life that I experienced is that unchecked, unidentified jealousy will take you where you don't want to go and cause you to become someone you don't want to be. And I imagine that some of you are better than me in the room today watching online. There are others of you who are looking down on me for admitting to you that that was part of my past and honestly part of my future. But I'm assuming that most of us at some point have had an experience like that, right? Where we have seen what someone else has, we've seen who they are and what they're becoming, and maybe there has been like this little voice in our head that wishes that we were more. Wishes that we had more, wishes that we were doing more. Maybe for you it was watching how many likes someone got on social media or seeing how many views they got on YouTube or maybe they have a bigger house than you do or they own a home in Silicon Valley or maybe like they go on better vacations than you do and you're like watching on social media this amazing, wonderful life that they have. And I feel like this is probably something that most of us deal with on a regular basis because we are living in a time where it has never been easier to fall into the comparison trap than it is right now. And so today, we are going to look at a passage that helps us to deal with the problem of unchecked, unidentified jealousy in our lives. And so to do that, we're going to be looking in the Old Testament, which is also known as the Hebrew Bible. And the Old Testament really is God's origin story for humanity and his plan to spread hope through a message and a people all around the world. And so what's interesting about the Old Testament is that very early on in the storyline, we actually get introduced to the true story of someone's unchecked jealousy. So let's begin reading together. You can follow along in the screen behind me in Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. It says, When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, and Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And so we have Cain and Abel, their brothers. Abel was the younger brother, and they were the children of Adam and Eve. And there were only two jobs during this time. You were either a farmer or you were a rancher. And so Cain was the farmer and Abel was the rancher. And there was this sort of historical mindset in an agrarian culture where if you worked the ground, you assumed that whatever the land produced or whatever animals were produced was based on the goodness of God in your life. It was part of God's provision. And in response to God's provision, every time the harvest came or every time animals were born, you would take a portion of what you have and you would give it back to God as a sign of your gratitude for God's provision, but also as a sign of faith. It's called proportional giving, and that's part of what we teach here at Eden. We talk about proportional giving. Some people refer to it as the tithe, but it's really this beautiful faith picture that anytime we receive something, we give a portion of it back as a sign of our gratitude to God and his faithfulness in our life, trusting that if we give a portion back, God will continue to provide. 
But what was different about what we do today and what they did back then is they had like immediate feedback to the quality of their offering. Because look at what it says in Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says that the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And so it says that God received Abel's offering but rejected Cain's. And for some of us, as we're reading this, that we might feel a few emotions. We might feel frustrated, like why did God reject one person's gift and receive the other person? But we also may be confused about the whole situation. But I think that the text actually gives us a little bit of a hint. It says that Abel brought his best while Cain brought some of his crops. So it seems like whatever gift in whatever fashion Abel presented his offering, it was like this genuine expression of worship to God. But for whatever reason, Cain's worship seemed like it was more done out of uh, the wrong motivation. He was just going through the motions. And so we don't know exactly what it was, but it was clear to everyone that was part of this story that something was off with Cain's heart. And so he was angry and he was frustrated. And we might even say that he had like this jealous anger toward his brother. And I wonder how many of you have ever felt jealous anger towards someone. Someone who maybe was on your team at work and you thought they weren't pulling their weight but all of a sudden they got hired for the manager position that you wanted? Ever experienced that? Maybe you thought you have been working harder than all of your friends, like you have been focusing on your craft more than any of your buddies, but for whatever reason, it seems like God keeps, to, keeps positioning them in life before he's positioning you. Or maybe you read to your kids every single night, and for whatever reason, your friend's kids are at a higher reading level than your children. And you're wondering, what am I doing wrong? Or they have the bigger house, or they go on the better vacation. I mean, how many of us have felt this jealous anger toward anyone in our life? When I was in seminary, I worked as a carpenter. And um, I had no experience. And so I walked into that situation knowing that I was no good at carpentry. Okay, I knew that. But I also had a friend who I also thought was no good at carpentry, and he was hired a few months after me. Well, over the years, they eventually made him a manager over me. And you can imagine how mature I was, training to be a pastor, going to seminary, reading the Bible all the time, and how that would apply to like my everyday life, and these little bouts of jealousy that I would have would have been extinguished in that process. But that's not true. Okay, I was so petty. I was so passive aggressive. I remember acting so childish until I could get to the point where I recognized that them hiring him was the right decision. I had like this jealous anger in my heart toward my friend. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Or did everybody else walk into the room with a halo around their head, over their head this morning, right? We've all probably experienced that at some level in our life. And if we're being honest, like one of the most detrimental things to like our own personal joy and promoting jealousy in our life has been social media. Like it is good for some things. It is just not good for most people's mental health. Because one of the things that social media does is it constantly exposes us to people's filtered reality and we compare it to our unfiltered reality. 
and we walk away feeling discouraged. And so we've probably all felt jealousy toward others. But what I think is really interesting is that if you ask most people, have you been jealous of someone over the course of the last week or the last month, I think most people would say no, right? But I also realize that when we feel jealous, all of us experience that emotion in different ways. You may feel jealousy, but the first thing you notice is anger. You may feel jealous, but the first thing that you notice is actually frustration. You may feel jealous, but feel embarrassment first. And I think that there's kind of this weird thing that happens for some of us is that when we feel jealous, instead of being angry at other people, we sort of turn it on ourselves and we think, what have I been doing wrong in my life when they have all of this and I don't have, and I don't have it? But I love the way that God responds to Cain because Cain felt anger. In Genesis chapter 4, 6, and 7, it says, Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? I love in this moment when Cain's selfishness and his jealousy was like on full display. Instead of God layering Cain with guilt, he starts to help him process his emotions, and he begins to ask him questions. And if you have ever wondered, like, how do you process your emotions, this is exactly how you do it. You start asking yourself questions. Why am I so angry? Why am I dejected? And you actually just keep asking yourself these questions until you get to this place where you can identify what it is that is the source of your jealousy. There was this leadership guru. His name was John C. Maxwell, and uh, amazing leader, but he wrote a book called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. And if we can sort of translate it into the topic that we're talking about today, spiritually healthy people ask questions about their emotions. And I love how in this moment we see that God cared about his emotions. And I don't know what you were going through in life today, But someone said a long time ago that everyone you see is fighting some kind of battle in their hearts and in their life. And I think it's so important for you to know that wherever you are and what battle, whatever battle you're fighting, you are not alone. That God doesn't just care about your circumstance, but he cares about your heart. He cares about the weight that you are carrying as you walk into a room, walked into this room this morning. Look at what he says next in verse 7. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. I love how God tries to help him process his emotions, but then he also tries to create a path forward for him. He says, you have to take note of what is going on in your life, and it's really powerful. He says, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. I wonder if you have probably noticed this in your life, that for most of us, the biggest challenges that we face is not really knowing what is right. It is having the courage to do what is right. And so what God was telling Cain is that if you do what is right, you will be accepted. But then he warns him about his emotions. He says, if you refuse to master your emotions, if you refuse to take the time to make sense of what is happening in here and what is happening in your head, then there is sin 
creeping at the door of your heart. And then look at what he tells him. He says, it is ready to control you. I wonder if you have ever felt an emotion so strong that it controls you. If you've ever been hurt by someone, if you've ever been offended or you've experienced some like deep level emotion in your life and as much as you like try to get it out of your head, anytime you end up having free space, your mind goes back to that thing. And then when you start thinking about it, your body starts reacting. And in a sense, like it can put you in a bad mood. It could cause you to treat other people you love that have nothing to do with that situation in a bad way. It sort of controls you. And I think that what God was trying to warn Cain of is he could foresee what this would do in his life. And I imagine that there are some of us right now that need to hear that word. There's some of you today that if you don't start controlling your anger, it is going to take you to a place that you don't want to go. If you don't start controlling some habits in your life, your pride or your arrogance or your self-righteousness, right? Like all of us, that's all of us. If we don't start to master those things, they will begin to master us. Look at what it says in verse 8. It says, one day Cain suggested to his brother... Let's go out into the fields. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. It's so crazy that Cain had this opportunity to master his emotions, but he didn't. He let it fester in his heart until it controlled his mind and led him to murder his own brother. His same little brother that he probably taught how to tie his shoes. He probably, probably showed him all the secret hiding spots on their land. He probably taught him, taught him how to raise sheep. Like the same little brother that he protected, his jealousy caused him to murder him. And what's so interesting about this tragic moment is that Abel didn't do anything wrong. It was God who rejected Cain's gift. And I don't know if you've ever identified that in your own life, but sometimes we are angry at other people for the blessings and the successes that they have in their life. But if we believe that God is in control of all of that, then our anger isn't directed at that person. Our anger should be directed at God. But what is true for so many of us is maybe we have grown up in a spiritual environment where we didn't think that we could talk to God that way. We didn't think that we could come to God with like our rawest and deepest emotions and so our prayers just sound like these pre-recorded, recited prayers that we pray every single night. But what scripture lets us know all throughout the Bible is that we can come to God with our real issues. And this is the power of it, is that when we take our jealousy to God, God has the ability to transform our hearts but if we just express our jealousy to the people who are the object of our jealousy, then it causes a bunch of problems in our life. Because the basic problem with jealousy is that it stems from a discontentment with what God has given you. Look at what it says in the next verse. God says, listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. Verse 12, no longer 
Will the ground yield good crops for you no matter how hard you work? From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on earth. I want us to remember this idea that our unchecked emotions, our unchecked jealousy, our unchecked anger will lead us to places that we never wanted to go and they will cause us to become people that we never wanted to be. There are so many consequences. Jealous people are usually not generous people because jealous people are still trying to gather more for ourselves to win in a race against someone that doesn't even know they're competing against us. Jealous people are critical people because they're critical of themselves and they cannot help but be critical of other people who are further along in life than they are. Jealous people are joyless people because if they can't be happy about their own situation, it's gonna be really hard for them to be happy about your situation. And last, jealous people will always have to live with the consequences of their actions. I knew a guy a bunch of years ago who was in ministry, and he tells the story, he tells the story of how he was jealous of other people's relationships. And he said he was jealous of other people's wives because he wanted his wife to act and to behave and to have the personality of the wives of his friends. And obviously, like, this caused a breach in relationship, a breach in intimacy. And over time, he ended up developing a relationship, an inappropriate relationship with a lady in his office. And he eventually cheated on his wife. And he tells a story on the back end of that experience. He says that little moment in his life, that little season in his life of jealousy being unchecked, he said, caused damage for decades. He says damage that is probably still there, damage to a relationship with his wife and his daughter that he says, I'm not sure we'll ever fully get to the place that it was before. But that is the danger and the consequences of unchecked jealousy in our life. So the question is then, how do we deal with jealousy? What do we do in response to what is happening here? The first thing is to name it. Now, you're going to hear that a lot in the series. We've already talked about it before. But it is easier for us oftentimes to feel the impact of certain emotions before we know that we have them. And so what is so important for us is to begin moving toward honesty with ourselves. And when we begin to notice like little patterns in our life where it's hard for us to celebrate the victories of people that we love, not even people that we don't like, that's easy, right? I'm not going to celebrate that. I don't like them. But the people that we love, if we cannot celebrate the good that is happening in their life, we might be jealous. And if we start to identify those things, we need to call it, call it out for what it is. Number two, we need to confess it. We need to acknowledge to God that we recognize that there is like this emotion or this spirit of jealousy happening in our heart and we need to bring that to God so that we don't take it out on anybody else and we need to allow for God to change our heart before we do something that we regret towards someone that we love. Number three, let's celebrate them. Let's publicly celebrate the people that we feel jealousy toward because one of the greatest disciplines in your life is to celebrate in others what you hope would be true in yourself. 
And it's hard to do both things at the same time. Be jealous of someone and celebrate them. So if you discipline yourself to celebrate, it will sort of weed out the jealousy in your heart. Number four, let's start this habit of creating a gratitude list when you are feeling down about your life. Let's start identifying all the things in our life that we are blessed with because I don't know how hard your week, your month, or your year has been, but I am sure that there are things, if you looked hard enough, that you could thank God for that are true in your life in this moment. Number five, we want to develop an ongoing prayer of contentment, contentment with what you have and who you are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he's writing from a Roman prison. And he writes these words, verse 11. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul said, I have learned, and in every environment, in every situation, every circumstance, no matter how big my neighbor's house is, no matter how many boats and jet skis or how nice their surfboards are, I'm getting personal now. All right, I have learned in every environment how to live with godly contentment. And I love how he recognizes how he came to do that. He didn't say it was by my own strength. He didn't say it was by my own discipline. He didn't say it was because I stopped hanging out with all the people that I was jealous of. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I wonder, what if that was our ongoing prayer in the weeks and in the months ahead? When we feel the urge to compare what we have to what someone else has, would we just say, God, In this moment, would you let me be content? If I don't own a house, I'm content with my little apartment. God, I thank you that I'm not paying as much rent as I used to pay. God, I own a house, but it ain't as big as Bob's house. God, would you teach me me to be content? And I wonder, what if we were a community of people that were content with what we have. Can you imagine how much healthier your relationships would be? Can you imagine how much healthier you would be? Can you imagine how much more joy you would have and how much less stress you would experience in life if we were content with what we have? Because I think that at the end of the day, what is true about all of us, and we know this intrinsically, but sometimes we're running a race because of the culture that we live in, we know that we can't take any of this stuff with us. The things that we want so bad, we know that when we lay our heads on our pillows at the end of the night, they are not truly gonna satisfy us. We don't care as much about the gift as we care about the giver of the gift. What we really long for is that relationship because we know that things fade But the love of God, there is nothing on this earth that can ever distinguish that from our life. And I think that some of you came in today 
because maybe you miss community or maybe you really have liked the conversation that we've had on emotions and so you're excited to see what was next. But I hope that if you came in today for a conversation, I hope that some of us will leave with a relationship, a relationship with God that maybe we have never experienced before. Maybe we were longing for more of something that we couldn't identify, but I think that for all of us, if you have asked that question, those deeper questions of life, where did I come from? Why am I here and where am I going? The source of that answer begins in a relationship with God. And so if that's you this morning, if you came in wanting something, I want to encourage you to consider beginning a relationship with God. To consider what your life would be like if you actually surrendered your wants and your desires to someone who I promise can do more in your life than we could ever do on our own. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to invite God into your life. To invite God into the process. You can do that right now. You can take that step of faith. And the way that we're going to do it is I'm going to ask everybody right now, if you're tuning in online, you can do this wherever you are, but to simply close your eyes and to bow your heads in this moment. And if today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer in your heart after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me even when I was lost in my own world. Today I recognize that no matter how hard I try, that little hole in my soul I can't fill. And so today I want to invite you into my life. I want to believe that you loved me enough that you sacrificed your life on the cross so that my sin could be forgiven and my relationship with God could be restored. Today I receive the gift of salvation. I invite you into my life and I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you in the days to come as I step out of the old life and I step into the new. I pray this in Jesus' name.